Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The F-16 Flying Falcon flies for the first time. Patty Hearst is kidnapped from her apartment by the Symbolese Liberation Army. And gold hits a record $188 an ounce. This is February 1974, and you're listening to What the Riff, and I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. <laughs> and I'm Bruce. All right, Brian, you're a little delayed there because you're dancing to the music. <laughs> and what you gentlemen, got with the album? And then, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, it is my privilege today to present to you one of my favorite all-time Doobie Brothers albums, and it's called What Were Once Vices Are Now Habits. This is from February of 1974, and this is something that brings out wonderful memories of my childhood. Oh, yeah? Because I was introduced to this back when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And I'm giving away my age, of course. <laughs> but it's just such a beautiful melody and, and just the, the harmonies and just the music. It's just, I didn't give it any care to the lyrics. I just wanted to hear, see the, hear the harmonies in the background and the, in the uh, harmony section. It's just, yeah. just, and just the simple melodies and just great, great music. This song is called Another Park, Another Sunday. This is Tom Johnston, who is the lead singer. Mm-hmm. And this is a basically about losing a girl. Are all songs about losing a girl? Aren't they? Yeah, Somehow. Really. Which ones aren't? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the ones about drugs well, or alcohol. True. Or cars. <laughs> I mean, just a, ah. just a mellow, mellow song. He basically said, uh, Tom Johnson said he wrote, the, he wrote the chords and played it on an acoustic. And then Ted Templeman, who we all know. Yes. You know, wonderful producer. producer back in the day with Van Halen and yeah. some other great bands. He had some ideas for it, and so basically what he did was he wanted to run the, the guitars through the Leslie speakers, mm-hmm. and you can sort of hear that just how they kind of a slide a little bit. Oh there. yeah, Wait, it just, flows. This yeah, music it's just flows. A, it's just a wonderful, wonderful concept. So. How it, could you it's, not? It's just so mellow. It it's is. just to me. This is this is sitting at the pool, absolutely. drinking yeah. a couple of um, tall ones, and and just relaxing. Well, at 11 years old, I couldn't do that. Man, I mean, I wanted to. <laughs> you were in New Orleans. I'm no, sorry. I was in you were Charles. You were in Lake Charles in Louisiana. At least. Let's see. The legal age was kind of. Uh, you were having. You were having. Understood. Understood. It was close. <laughs> I was seven years away from it. But anyway, you were having some Barks root beer. Over <laughs> That's there. right. But, yeah. but what this reminds me of, in all seriousness, it reminds me of sitting in someone's house because we didn't have to go outside in the heat. Right. Yeah. Right. You want to sit to in. be able to sit back in a on a, a beanbag chair or just listen to this on these little maybe 
seven, eight inch speakers and just hearing it. Was it a return? I was going to say it was an album. It wasn't oh, even yeah. a tape. Well, the funny thing is also most of the time all you had was an air conditioning unit if you had air conditioning in one ha- part of the yeah. house. Oh, yeah. And it cooled the entire house. It didn't have central air good. like you had. Or you had a fan set up into a window. <laughs> now, I remember both of those. Now, you see, kids, there was a time where if you were hot, you would walk over to the window where that air conditioner was running and stand yep. inches away from the air yeah. that was heating the entire house. <laughs> Absolutely. Or that was cooling the entire house. Yeah. And I can still remember the guy's name that introduced me to this. His name is Brian Gilry. And, Brian, if you're listening out there, thank you for introducing me to the Doobie Brothers. So I don't know if he's – I haven't heard from him. Was he older than you? Three years older than me. And uh, we both love music, so we kind of, you know – and he would come out and – play in the yard with us or play but you know we, we have a little area that we play ball yeah. and he, he'd come out there he, he was he was a nice guy he, but he introduced me he said basically get, come check it out he introduced me to the Doobie Brothers to War mm-hmm. and some, uh, one other that I can't think of because I'm, I've got Doobie Brothers in my ear but I just remember <laughs> this and it's just such a fond memory and Doobie's in your brain uh, <laughs> no 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 we didn't we didn't no, you that. didn't talk about where they got their name from. Oh, well, of course, the Doobie Brothers, you know, they basically were, back in the day, they played in the Bay Area, out in San Francisco, and they were big amongst the, you know, in, the, in San Francisco Park and all along there, and they they, they basically were, not in the Haight-Asbury stage, mm-hmm. but they were in the feel-good days and then the oh, heavy yeah. marijuana days, and so they were very, basically great participants, and so they said, well, you know what, <laughs> we'll just call ourselves the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. And so, and well, I don't even. Do they even call it doobies anymore? Oh yeah, I did when I was growing well, up. I know. We, I'm talking about oh. now. I'm talking about where kids now they, they're not calling it that. Here's another one you probably heard before on the radio or not uh, on the album. Yeah, it's so called far, I Was Silver. I mean, this, this is a great, great album. I mean, are you oh, kidding yeah. me? So this is the second single that was released from the album. But listen, it's just, just. You know, I have to say this. Even though it is that California country evolution area, yep. it really is almost kind of southern rock. It, it really feels to me even some of that Almond Brothers type feel. Now, yeah. Rob, you and I had the privilege uh, recently to go see these guys. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they were playing with another great band, Steely Dan, but was, of course is only with uh, Donald Fagan. Uh, but at the time, and, and the Doobie Brothers opened, and they had the crowd going. And and Johnson great. is back with them, isn't he? Yeah, Tom Johnson's back. Okay. Now, they're touring, and at the time of this recording, they are doing their 50th anniversary tour this summer. Wow. And Michael McDonald is going to be joining them. Oh, really? Absolutely. That'll be interesting. Now, this yeah. is pre-Michael McDonald. Oh, yeah. This album. Yes, it is. It was a, it was a quick, it was a change of type of music. Yeah. Now, they, I want to say they, you can call it playing out their type of music that they had. And it was a it was a refreshing change, yep. a little bit more popish, a little bit more yacht rock yep. type sound instead of sort of that country southern rock type sound. Mm-hmm. And that that caused a little rift between some of the band members. Uh, what the rift? That that too. <laughs> but Tom Johnston and you know he backed out because it, because to, to your point, Wayne, McDonald's influence kind of steered him in a different direction that Johnston just didn't. He just said, no, "This isn't for me." Okay. So. Then when they reunited back in the 90s, 
Michael McDonald, of course, was not involved, but it was back to the original band, and Tom Johnston, of course, took the reins again. Brian, I'm hearing horns in the background. Was this Tower Power on this, or? or? It doesn't say. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me because yeah, it's from it's the Bay Area. Yeah, from that area. Listen to that harmony. See, what I picture is that, and I've seen them in concert, and I've, I've seen videos. I see this big crowd, and I see these people standing up, you know, with their mm-hmm. halter tops on, and just women, of course. You said people. Well, I did. But, <laughs> well, maybe men out there did it, too. I don't know. You know, it's San Francisco, right? But, uh, no, this is just feel good, mellow, mellow, just kind of stuff. And Ooh, the nice one, ending there. Yes. The next we're going to hear is a song called Nobody. This was recorded on their initial, uh, their debut album, mm-hmm. but it didn't do well. So, what they decided to do? Well, let's bring it back. Basically, oh, so this is this has been on an, an album previously. Yes, this is on their debut album. Okay. So they they brought it back to this album because mm-hmm. it didn't do well, but Templeman liked it. Yeah. So they did a little tweaking on it as well, and it went up to number fifty-eight on the charts. It's interesting. I'm going to mention that same situation with my staff pick on this uh, episode, okay. so we'll hear a little bit more about that. Okay, good. I was I really didn't wasn't in, into the Doobie Brothers until Michael McDonald minute okay. by minute. Yeah, you know that was right. The, that's where I that's where I joined in on the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, Michael well, but I like it now. Being the rock and roller, I, I like the rock and roll. Yeah, era. yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, it, I love this album. Oh, this I do too. Tremendous. And 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 that's certainly not a knock against my my good friends Rob and Bruce. But when Michael McDonald came on, I kind of got turned off. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a different sound. Yeah. It's yeah. a different sound. Michael McDonald has that kind of smooth sound. Yeah. This this is more a little bit more funky, I oh, guess. Yeah. yeah, that's a great way to think of yeah. it. But uh, as far as Tom Johnson's voice to me is is the staple yeah. of the Doobie Brothers. Now McDonald, I'll get, I agree. McDonald's voice is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But this to me, hearing Johnston's voice is is the Doobie Brothers for me. Now, did uh, did he write most of their stuff? Yes, he did. Okay, so you can, so when he left the group, a lot of that, the the songwriting walked out with him. Well, this style, yes, right, yeah, okay. Now, there's a best of Doobie Brothers if you want to go out and listen. If you if you just want to hit the hits, and yep. there's an iconic photo of them, yep. and I'm talking about. That is straight 1975 yeah. picture there. Yeah. <laughs> I is. love the platform shoes. Exactly. Yeah. The bell bottoms. boots, bell bottoms, <laughs> yeah. long hair, yeah. mustaches. Oh, there yeah. really weren't that many good-looking people in 1975. <laughs> or if they were, you couldn't tell it. That's true. That's true. Well, just to let you know, on this album, I'll give you the, the names of the musicians. Of course, we've, already, we've been talking about Tom Johnston, the lead guitarist as well as the lead vocalist. You also have Patrick Simmons, who's also one of my favorites. And when we saw him in the concert, remember, he's the one that's going to sing the next song they were going to feature. Yeah. But he was the one, to your point, he had hair down almost yep. to his waist. But he's, uh, of course, he was the uh, the acoustic and electric guitars. He also did some vocals. There we're it about is. To do it. Yeah, there he is right there. And Tyron Porter was the bass and vocals, as well as John, they called him Little John Hartman. <laughs> and he was the drummer. And they had a second drummer, which was unusual back then, and it was a guy by the name of Michael Hasek. Yeah, I guess you don't see a whole lot of two drummer bands yeah. unless yeah. it's like a older band. Now I think some of the older bands have like a backup drummer or something. That well, I've heard uh, rumors. Uh, I've heard some interviews. People talk about uh, the reason why they had another drummer added one 
It's because the first drummer just really wasn't good enough, but they just didn't want to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, supplement, hey, eh? You play this. You play this tempo. Boom, boom, yes. boom, boom. You play one, two, three, four. We'll <laughs> have the other guy play this other <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I just looked at my notes, and of course, according to Wikipedia, which is always the source of all knowledge <laughs> and, and strength. Wayne, to answer your question, according to them, that is not the Tower of Power that's doing the horns. It's actually the Memphis Horns. Oh. Okay. So here nice, comes one of nice my one. favorite all-time songs, and this is really has an interesting story. This thing rocks. I know it. It's just such a great song. You what recognize a, it yet? What a cool start. Oh, this is one of those that you can pick out. Oh, yeah. Well, this before is, the this first, is, to before me, the uh, first this beat. says Louisiana to me. Well, yeah. close. It's its neighbor. Mississippi? That's right. But it has that swamp, swamp oh, rock yeah. feel. Swamp as rock, water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is Patrick Simmons. This is not Tom Johnston's. So Patrick Simmons is singing this. And if uh, uh, Rob, getting back to the concert we saw, remember when we saw them, he did a phenomenal job, didn't yes, he? Yes, yes. I mean, it really they was. Hit that and his voice was still strong. I got chill. I actually went to see uh, uh, Steely Dan, but uh, I liked the Doobie Brothers oh, yeah. better. It was a better. Now, I saw them, I guess, 1981, uh, when Six Flags would have rock and roll groups come in. Or have groups, yeah. and they had that area back behind Screen Machine, yeah. Screen Machine, and we were as far back as you can get up on the hill, and we, I mean, that was that was a, I mean, a fun fun concert. Oh, you yeah. talk about people waving in the air. Oh, you know, yeah. We're back halter there tops? watching all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wayne had his halter top he did. on. I know it. No, but this song, this is how fate has can play some different twists and games on you. Yeah, yeah. This song was originally the B side. To another park, another Sunday. Oh, oh! So when they were playing, uh, they were playing nobody again, and all of a sudden, some DJ said, "You know what? There's another song on that album that we need to feature," and they heard they heard this, and they started playing it, and it took off. Their very first million-selling song. So tell me, that's not somebody it's, heard it's it. It's ironic. And it yeah. caught fire. They probably should have flipped it so that this was side A and the other <laughs> one was side B. Well, sales-wise, it's what happened. Yeah. There, there are a lot of occasions for that, and that's Absolutely. one of the things I think we're missing now. Is you know, DJs back in that time had a little bit more freedom to to play stuff. Yeah, and you had when you had a single, you automatically had a B side, and yeah. not every one of them was a throwaway. Right. Well, I mean, we've talked about albums at this time; they were just stacked full of great songs. So when you did have the single. It was hard to find that song that you didn't want to have, you know, you could kind of throw away. And you had multiple singles, so you had multiple B-sides. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. You hear, that, you hear the song Black Water, but where, where does that come from? I mean, I, the water's black because of the dark soil that's in the sand, right? Sandy well, that, soil? That's true, but I'm, I'm thinking about where is it referencing. What, what, who wrote about Black Water or referenced the Mississippi River's Black Water? There's a Faulkner? gentleman by the name of Mark Twain. Oh, you're going way back. Thomas? I was thinking musician. Oh, I was thinking William Faulkner. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mark Twain referenced it uh, in Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. He referenced the Mississippi as black water. To your point. Yes. Because of the... So basically, this is a, a trip down the Mississippi on a paddlewell boat. Yeah. And it's called the Mississippi Moon. Because they're talking about the Dixieland, you know, I'm yeah. sitting in the streetcar. You know, so I—that's I, where I got the New Orleans type feel. And here's a little secret, guys. This part here, yeah, this is all I heard. But whenever they start coming in and doing echoes back here, honky tonk, 
honky tonk. I never heard that on a mono radio station. Oh yeah. I always, but when they put it in stereo, we would listen honky to it tonk. on vinyl. I went, what the heck is that? This is so cool. They they picked it up. Ryan, uh, before we before we end with these guys, this was a racially diverse group too. Absolutely. So they had black members of the or black One. member of the group, and and at that time, it's kind of risque, at, you know, for you to do that in the early seventies. Yeah. Well, the thing is, your point. He was not a token African American. That's correct. This guy was a great. Tyron was a great contributor to the yeah. band. So oh yeah. yeah. So to your point, he well, played a, a major role. Well, this is a band. You could oh, yeah. feel this is a band going on, not just some one guy. Yeah, it's a true collaboration. And unfortunately, guys, this is the last song that we're going to feature from the Doobies today. But I think we need to get this album. That, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great album. And since we're going to move on now, we're going to move on to some, I guess, entertainment pick. And yep, so this is our entertainment, entertainment track. What's well, a movie? And a very entertaining one at that. It's probably the number one comedy in in my book that ever <laughs> made that was ever made and that will never be able to oh, be no. made again. Oh no. Can you believe this? I actually took a date to this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my uncles and aunts telling me that they saw this and Oh, it was one of the most outrageous movies ever, but they never told me why. Uh-huh. So I took a date to this, and I can't remember who it was. I, I don't think it was my wife because she actually married me. So, I, <laughs> but we saw this, and I remember crying, laughing. So after the first ten minutes into it, and I'm sure my date probably was ready for me to take her home. All right, for those that don't know, we're talking about the movie Blazing Saddles. By Mel Brooks. Absolutely. The most incorrect, uh, politically incorrect movie ever made. Phenomenally politically incorrect. Even at the time, I mean, I, that was the thing that Brooks would do. Is he would say, all right, what what is the most outrageous thing that I can do? That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, the one thing, you know, there's a lot of racial overtones in this that, that may, they make fun of. But believe it or not, Richard Pryor was one of the guys who, who wrote part of this. He did. So. You know which one he? You know the part that he wrote was the power of Mongo, you know, played by Alex Karras. <laughs> so that's where Richard Pryor did most of his writing was from Mongo. Oh. But also, well, starred Cleavon Little as the sheriff and Gene Wilder as his sidekick. What did he say? The sheriff is near. He turned dark night into day. Yeah. But that was, uh, I mean. See if you can find an uncut version, because uh, I have I mean, it at home. I, I mean, do. The fart scene is is worth the worth the price. But uh, two other movies: The Street Fighter. Uh, it was a Japanese martial arts film that was uh, out there, and then there was Thieves Like Us. It was a crime uh, road film starring Keith Carradine and Shelley Duvall. It was set in 1936. And then Good Times, a spinoff from Maud, premiered in CBS. And Tattletales. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember Tattletales. It was hosted by Kurt Burt Combo. Burt Combo, yeah. We've already had uh, Good Good Times, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've talked about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's our entertainment track b- brought to us by Right Column Financial. And now we're getting into our staff picks. Getting a little funky here. There we go. This is my staff pick. Of course it is, Bruce. <laughs> So this is the highest charting single from Redbone. What a great song. Oh, come and get your love. Great, great song. So Redbone was a Native American rock group. And 
Uh, really? Imagine there's not a whole lot of truly Native American rock. YMCA. Well, yeah, and I guess I should I should be more re- more defined what true Native American would be. This would peak at number five on the Billboard Hot 100, but it stayed in the top 40 for 18 weeks, and um, it was it was on the um, it was on the charts at the time, and it would be the number four song for all of 1974 in the Hot 100. Did you ever see these guys in concert or any video? I, of them? No, I didn't. I didn't. Outrageous costumes. But it's along the lines of a Native American. Really, really yeah. playing up the theme. Really playing it up. Yeah. So Redbone is brothers Pat and the Lolly Vegas, Tony Bellamy, and Butch Rillera. And uh, Lolly Vegas plays the electric sitar. Oh, wow. Ooh. That was what you were hearing at the beginning yeah. of this. So where have you heard this song? Oh, it was in um, something was, about Mary. No, no, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the oh. Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. 1974 pop songs, tremendously great. Just, just go yeah. and look. It's a top 100. Well, and the thing is, they they haven't gotten a, until Guardians of the Galaxy came along. They didn't get a whole lot of airplay, so they're they still have a kind of a. I mean, they're stuck in time, but they're also they have a kind of a fresh feel to it. But this is the this is one of the opening scenes from Guardian of the Galaxy. This is where Peter Quill, aka Star Lord, is listening to his uh, uh, Walkman as uh, he's stealing what would later we would later learn is one of the Infinity Stones. Oh yeah, from uh, the Avengers. Come and get your love now. What? It's just a very. I mean, it just makes you bounce. I wonder if anybody did a cover of it. Is that, it, this is a song that I recognize, certainly. Yeah. But I don't know that I have heard it regularly, other than Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I will, I imagine a number of folks will will cover it now, but I don't know that it's gotten a lot of airplay up until Guardians. It must of the have Galaxy. been just appearing in different movies and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, top hits of February 1974, "Without You" by Nielsen. I think that's Harry Nielsen, I believe. Uh, Let's stay together. Al Green. Mm-hmm. That's a nice, I mean, That's we went from song. kind of a pop song to, yeah. to talk about covers. Yeah, that really. One's yeah. Covered a lot. Yeah. Hurting each other. The Carpenters. Climax. Precious and few. Three Dog Night. Never been to Spain. Man, Great I, that's song. A, that's a group we need to cover. Yeah. Three Dog Night. Great song. And now the next group we don't need to cover. The Osmonds. Mental note. (laughs) Look for Osmonds. All right, here we go. Everybody can recognize this song by the first few notes. Yes, indeed. Speaking of Patty Hearst. You're going to hear a little (laughs) bit different here. They had a song about Patty Hearst. Speaking of Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) She's a rich girl, but this is the song before that. So this is Hall & Oates. She's gone. Much like Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren right now, yes. as a matter of fact. For, but for the time frame we were in. Politics, but um, <laughs> this is from February 1974, and there was an album called Abandoned Luncheonette. And you may have picked up already, this has a longer intro than you yeah. may have heard. Well, they had to go to the restroom when they were recording, then it came That's and right. finished it. Yeah. So... It was released in 1973. It made it to the charts here in February of 1974. And guess how high it made it on the charts? I would say number seven. 
Gotta imagine pretty high. It was, it was a, a top 10 at least. It made it to number 60. Oh, Whoa. wow. 60. Now, this was their first take. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they ended up doing it again uh-huh. two years later. Okay. And Gross. that was in 1976. And it made it to number seven. But listen, you can hear it's a little different. Yeah. It's a little yeah. funkier. Yep. So. Okay, so this this is not they're, they're a different version of it, a slightly tweaked version. Exactly. Made it much higher. Exactly. So similar to what Brian was talking gotcha. about with the doobies where, you know, they released it, it didn't do well, they re-released it, and it did wonderful. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that on a couple of times, artists that we've covered in the 70s, they kind of re-release. This sounds similar. Yeah. But there's just parts of it that are yeah. a little different. So it's not as heavy on Daryl Hall's uh, right. know, high tenor parts. Exactly. Exactly. Now, it also came out on their greatest hits album, Rock and Soul Part 1, in 1983, and that's when I was really getting into it again. They, uh, both John Oates and Daryl Hall said that it was the song about situations they had with women at the same time. So they were both going through... A similar kind of issue, uh, and they wrote this song. Gotcha. Well, I, I, I guess that would definitely enhance the camaraderie there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, there's a video that goes with this. If you look up the video, you might not like the song as much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, is, it is just a hard... This was in the pre-video days. This was in 1973, before MTV for sure. So Daryl looks like David Bowie, kind of an androgynous character wearing this robe slash dress, long hair. I think he shaved his eyebrows. And he's just <laughs> sitting in a wicker chair with his legs crossed, and he's just lip syncing. And then John Oates is wearing a tuxedo vest, and they're just sitting there mouthing the words. And this girl walks by, lady walks by, and they just... Don't even recognize. It's just horrible. The set's bad. <laughs> There's a video anyway. So are and we saying it was primitive? Yeah, it was very primitive. But it should give you some encouragement. Yes. That oh, listen. You this, can, this is my favorite. Yeah. That's the that's the note that that slide on the yeah. violin. I love that for for this song in every version. But anyway, sorry, Bruce. And was that line "Let the carbon and monoxide come and choke the"? Let the carbon away. and monoxide choke my thoughts away. Fantastic. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now listen. When he says, "I'll pay the devil to replace her," uh huh. Um, this guy in a horrible suit. Listen here. <laughs> There's a guy in a glitter devil suit that walks by, and Daryl Hall just kind of chunks some cash out, <laughs> like Monopoly money. And it looks like a John Lovitz character walking oh, by, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, oh, it, that's it. Well, what I was going to say is it's, it's got to be encouraging if, if someone can put out something as bad as Rob is describing and still be the superstars that Paul yeah, Notes turned out to be. Absolutely. Yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> I like to enter. Uh, John Oates said, um, "It's a timepiece that really illustrates just how experimental we could be," and I agree. And then in his autobiography, he said, "I think it's one of the weirdest and coolest things we've ever done." So. We'll have to we'll have to put that out on the the, the Facebook post. By the way, Hall and Oates made it in 2014 to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, 
wonderful group. We should. I, I'd like to feature an album of theirs. And no, they are sure. touring this summer. Oh, cool. Uh, yep. Their Great. tickets are uh, pretty steep, but that's a, that's a different subject. <laughs> well, that was the original. Now we're moving on to Wayne. And we're going to rock it out. Buddy. All right. Why not? I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> buddy, this is Deep Purple, Burn. And believe it or not, this is their eighth studio album. And it's burn, baby, it, burn. And this is the, the title song off the album Burn. And Adam Carolla loves to talk about this song because it is just because of the driving drums. If you listen to the drums behind this, the guy goes nuts. And he calls it six minutes of hard driving rhythm by Ian Pace, who's the drummer. And the singer is a new singer for Deep Purple. Oh. You guys know who, who the singer is? Uh, uh, the firm? Now, he's, no, he's now the lead singer for Whitesnake. Oh, is it David Coverdale? David Coverdale. Yeah. Oh. He continued with uh, Richie Blackmore to the lead guitar, and they both wrote this song. But uh, I mean, this is the single that came out. This is, was the single. It, it, it did get up to um, the, on the album charts. This album got to number nine, but it didn't really heat. This song didn't much. But it's it's just uh, it, it, like I said, the drumming, the intensity. This is a hard driving song. Yeah. This took over as their introductory song whenever they go in concert. Before it was Highway Star, which. Of Office Machine Head, and it's probably an album we'll end up covering. But this one just, you just sit there and you're just going, okay. Yeah. Another one of those ones, don't get behind the car. Definite driving song, isn't it? The drums, the number of beats on the drum is what's amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like constant. The drum yeah, is just. Really yeah, that's, right. a nice, that's a nice way to put yeah. that. Yeah. Well, one thing is. Uh, this they they've always had a fascination of different, uh, I guess, middle ages witchcraft type supernatural stuff. And they actually did a uh, a song called Stormbringer, which is based off of, of a, a fantasy novel by right. Michael Moorcock. That actually I used to Elric of Melbourne. If, right. If, if you're a geek like me, you would have done that. But I like the way they, they just basically the lyrics of this. She said it's basically about a witch. She said, curse you all, you'll never learn. When I leave, there's no return. The people laugh until she said, burn. Warning came, no one cared. Earth was shaking and we stood and stared. When it came, no one was spared. Still I hear, burn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's basically about a witch who, when she's being burned at the stake, yeah. committing, you know, telling all these people, your town's going to burn. And So but, it, I, I found that was kind of... But how odd for, how for do you know life. she's a witch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she turned me into a newt. <laughs> a newt? <laughs> I got better. Well, Deep Purple, along with Led Zeppelin Back Sabbath, is referred to as the unholy trinity of British hard rock and heavy metal. Basically, in the early and mid-70s, it was, it was these guys... Led Zeppelin, you can you can hear it. They they played somewhat together with. Oh this, yeah, you know. sure. I mean, and then obviously Black Sabbath. But we played the hit version instead of going on and on because we'll do Deep Purple later. But that was Deep Purple. Thanks, Wayne. Awesome. Come back around to Brian on his staff pick now. Rock and roll. You may not recognize it yet. 
Yeah, tell them, Ruby. Now you know what it is, right? It's Jim Dandy from Jim Black Dandy. Oak, Arkansas. And that's Ruby Star. I thought this was a commercial. <laughs> it might be. But you know, actually, this song was is a cover. The Black Oak, Arkansas is a cover because the song was initially written in 1956. Oh, really? Wow. By a gentleman by the name of Lincoln Chase, and it was first recorded by American R&B singer Laverne Baker. Listen and to that voice. Absolutely. Of course, this is uh, this gentleman's name, Jim, Man- Jim Mangrum, from the, you know, the southern rock band Black Oak, Arkansas. So he and Ruby Starr going back and forth. You can hear both of them. But mm-hmm. just, it's just a kick butt. Back and forth. Yeah. Go, here's Ruby. So, essentially, what this, the history of this song was, you had Jim Dandy, and then you had a, a, a version written later on called Jim Dandy Got Married. So it's oh. kind of a sequel. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is all the rescue, the, and then he got married. That's right. But, of course, they're doing the Black Oak Arkansas just doing the original. But it's just in that... It's, Really, before this is about the time Skinner was coming out, you had all those southern rock bands. Yeah, it definitely has that southern rock feel. I'll tell you who else I think could do this is Meatloaf. Oh, yeah. yeah, I it can does, see that. It does sound like Meatloaf. You're yeah, right. we have to put the video for this song out on our Facebook page, along with Dal- a Hall Notes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but this one's just showing them in concert. But this guy, Mangrum, is wearing this hellacious one piece white jumpsuit with a baggy sleeves and the baggy pants and the platforms. I mean, if that's not a throwback to the 70s, then it's, oh, it's... it's The super bell bottoms. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Just look at the video, and we'll put it on the Facebook page, because you're going to look at it like, I hope like I did, and go, what the heck is this? <laughs> what yeah. were they thinking? This is definitely early to mid-70s as you far can, as the attire. As we said, you could tell that MTV was not around at that no. time. <laughs> It wasn't about the video. It was about the music, right? With the sound. We, oh, yeah. we also mentioned about you know pressing the gas pedal. This comes on. You're darn right. You're going to go. Oh, I fast. can see that definitely. Dandy to the rescue. Nice oh. southern rock there. Absolutely. All right, now we're going to go to our either musical or entertainment pick. And now we wait a minute. Wait, we have an energy crisis. This is the laugh track. This is the laugh track. I remember this. I remember this. I do too. What really caused the energy crisis? (laughs) (laughs) This is Dickie Goodman, if you didn't know. This is we've done a couple of his pieces. Yeah, we've done. We've done with Mr. Jaws, I think. Yeah, Yeah. I think was the one we did before. This is called Energy Crisis 19 or Energy Crisis 74. Well, let me ask you this, guys. While this was going on, and of course it was all about the oil embargo and oil embargo and all that stuff back in the 70s. How did you guys, or your in your situations with your families or wherever you were living, how did you respond to it? I don't know that we had much of a response at, at all. At that time, I, I, I don't remember. I just remember odd even days that yeah. your license plates ended on a, a letter or mm-hmm. an odd number you had to go one day. Yeah, gas went up yeah. to like 87 cents a gallon. Yeah, oh, really. Yeah. And it was only 24 cents a gallon before that. Well, the, what we did, we, we did adjust. I remember my mother and dad specifically saying we're going to adjust the thermostat on the wall unit. Oh, yeah. That's what they did. Yeah. The big thing that I remember, and it was it was not at the time, but it was shortly after that, that all of the gas stations were having trouble because gas was go- about to go above 99 cents a gallon. 
and their their pumps didn't show right. dollars. Right. Right. Well, innovation. They had to actually digitize. Yeah. The, instead of the, the little instead of the little wheel. Yeah. yeah. Have you any added comments? Well, since we're going to leave these guys alone, <laughs> we're, we're going to move on. You've been listening to February of 1974, and we're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you next time. Energy crisis, but we have just run out of Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?